What's Your Position podcast may contain adult themes, sexual discussions, and strong language. We want everyone to be educated, but we are intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Here's to it. If you get to it before I get to it, leave me to it because I'm used to it. Ashley Weller. Hello, fellow humans. That might be my favorite introduction yet. Good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome to What's Your Position podcast. Today, we have on an amazing woman, human, and role model, Carrie Rodriguez. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Fun fact about Carrie, she makes denim jackets in her spare time for people she loves. Also, some pretty incredible blankets. She likes to buy things off Amazon when people tell her what they want. She just buys it, and then it shows up at their door like giant pineapple gummy bears. (laughs) Giant. (laughs) giant pineapple gummy bears also she might be related to both people on this podcast um producer could you please tell me her relationship she is my mom (laughs) your mommy (laughs) that's your aunt that's my aunt so we are super honored to have her on the podcast for episode three today we are going to talk about a couple different things. AA, recovery, and what sexuality and relationships mean in AA and in recovery and beyond. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit of her history and her background in AA and recovery. We're going to ask her some questions about how you get through relationships in AA and how that plays into our sexuality and what that means for people who are going through recovery. But first and foremost... We are going to talk about what we're drinking. Everyone, what are you drinking? Guest? Tea. I'm drinking straight tea. What kind of tea? Actually, it's peach. Oh, well, what's the brand? Uh, Mangrove something valley. Mangrove Bay. She has literally yes. boxes of tea. She's <laughs> staring at the boxes. <laughs> Mangrove Bay for all your peach tea needs. Is it sweetened? No. No, never. No. no. Never. Who drinks sweet tea? Uh, People in the South. No. It's well, not good. That's their thing. People in Inglewood, all they all they serve is sweet tea in Inglewood. Seriously? Yep. She McDonald's. worked. She worked in Inglewood, by the way, as a systems analyst, senior systems analyst. Excuse me, like senior systems analyst. <laughs> what does that mean for the people at home? That I get paid more when I'm a senior. No. Than, what is a systems oh, analyst? Um, I I used to um, customize an application for their document management system. AKA, I can I get I'll fill it in. Because I worked, what? I worked for that company for a while. Well, no. yeah. Liberty. Oops, I just hit your mic. Liberty. But then I also separately lived, worked for a company in San Diego that kind of did the same kind of thing called DocuLinks, which they just go into companies and like government facilities and no. take all of their paperwork, scan them, and organize them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it sucks. Cool. And you're retired now. Yes, I am. Which means you get to travel. Yes. And what do you like to do when you travel? Well, we have an RV. Okay. So I personally like to go to new places all the time. Okay. Um, And then see things and do the history. I like to look up history of of the places that we're visiting. Yeah. My husband, however, likes to go to the same place over and over again. So So he likes to eat the same thing for dinner every night. And he likes to see the same things every time he goes somewhere. Right. And you want to go to new places. How's that working out for you? Okay. Okay, good. Great. He's he's been listening to me. We did have a, a trip to Tennessee planned. Oh. Which got next because of the outbreak i so, was supposed to go on that trip yes so bummed um yeah but 
you know, and you like to go to ghost towns and yes, and abandoned like old west towns and mines. Mm-hmm. We, the guy that we travel with a lot, Dave, um, tends to look up stuff when we're going out. He'll find mines, old mines, and old ghost towns for me. That's rad. So, <clears throat> have you ever found a ghost when you're out there? Not when I'm out there, but I have. Virginia City is a very heavy ghost town. Where is Virginia City? Up in Northern California. Wow. I've been there. It's pretty cool. Yeah? You can't really ghost hunt outdoors. Just, you, you start getting... I feel like in a cemetery you could. If you want to like do... Least... Yeah. If, if you want to do... like oh, I've done ghost hunting with my mom. <laughs> and I know, like, I'm watching all the ghost <laughs> things. Like, you want to make it like a, like a science project, like a... Like a... Try to de- debunk... Yeah. Stuff. Oh, probably so, more okay. than you do experiments. Search. Okay, so, so you don't want anything like interfering with your vocal, like your recording, yeah. and everything. And, and outdoors is not an. It's, it's not a clean environment to do an it's experiment. Some kind of, it's some kind of tough. Sometimes yeah. tough. But yeah. And um, graveyards are not haunted like people think. Well, no, I mean, I, I suppose if you were in a graveyard and you were a ghost, you'd want to get the fuck out of there. Like, yeah. I need to go see some shit. Yeah, like, I mean, I've why, been here the whole time. Why be I gotta there? go. <laughs> I'm going to go haunt the in and out across so the street with some people. Right. <laughs> exactly. OK, so where are you going on your next trip? Um, I'm not sure yet, but I think, well, the one after that, I think we might be going to Utah to Zion. Um, cool. But the next trip we take, we're actually not taking the RV. Um, OK. Because my dog, Bella, mm. is very afraid of fireworks. Bella. So I think we're going to go up to my sister's cabin up in Big Bear. Oh, nice. That's or Green smart. Valley. Because they don't do fireworks in Big Bear because that would be. They do a actually. hazard. What? At the lake. They do. But oh. we're going to be in Green Valley cool. or Arrow Bear. So she won't get scared. No. That's nice. That's a goal for us. Unofficial sponsor, National Parks. Zion. Go out there. Yosemite. Get outside. Go explore. <laughs> yeah. That's our unofficial sponsor for the day. What's your favorite national park, Karen? Sequoia. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? I've been there several times. I kind of know the area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you do go back to the same place twice. Yeah. All right. Mine's Yosemite. I'm done. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Shut up. I'm going to talk about the uh, tip of the day. Just the tip. <laughs> Today's just the tip is brought to you by alcohol. Truly, actually. Shall we? Cheers. I'm drinking a truly. Cheers. Cheers with your iced tea. Yes. The best practices. Some people don't really like drinking right on the mic, so easy with that. Sorry. I didn't realize that was me. Was that you? No, it was me. I oh, think it was, was my mom. Yeah. I was like, I don't think sensitive. that was me. I was thinking about the phlegm, so I was trying to... <clears throat> we just had cheese, guys. We did a horrible podcast, No-No, and had a burrito. But we were hungry. Can't do a podcast on an empty belly. All right, you're just the tip for the day. Just tip. Just a tip. Best practices to keep in mind when drinking. Alcohol can definitely muddy things up when it comes to engaging in sexual activities with someone else. But there are some things you can do. Set yourself a drink limit to avoid getting too drunk. And I actually used to, when I was drinking out in clubs, I would always have a glass of water in between each drink. Like, so that every time I had a drink, I would have a glass of water in between and then I wouldn't get too drunk and also the next day i wouldn't be too hungover because you obviously, hydrated yourself obviously not an alcoholic obviously, obviously. not an alcoholic <laughs> no um but i would say i couldn't have another drink till i finished a first glass of my glass of water so set a drink limit pace yourself alternate between alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages as i just said 
bring protection, guys and girls, this is important. Women, just as often as men, should bring condoms in their purses, in their bags, in their shoes, in their clutch, whatever the case may be. If you think you may get laid, pack some sort of barrier protection method, regardless of what kind of sex you're expecting. So oral, vaginal, anal, any kind, bring protection of any kind with you so that you are already ready to go and you don't have to stop at 7-Eleven on your way home. Your body, your prerogative. Don't be pressured into doing anything you don't want to do. And do not try to coerce anyone into doing something that they don't want to do. Consent is mandatory. If they don't seem into it, they're not. Don't push the subject. And if you feel uncomfortable, walk away. Walk. You're never going to see them again. So who you're going to hurt? No one. That's my tip for the day on how to behave during alcohol. Tip of the day. Very, tip of the day. Very AA-ish. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, Carrie. Yep. I'd like you to tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your history, about growing up, about where you went to school, anything you want to talk about as far as your life. Just condense it down for us into about, ooh, two minutes. Okay. Well, basically, it's <laughs> you do this in AA, you tell your story. Tell me your story. Yeah, so, and you keep it to a minimum. Oh, okay. Um, so you already know how to do this. Pretty much. Great. Um, so basically, I started drinking around 12 years old. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Used to take locker, uh, alcohol in my locker at school at junior high. <clears throat> Who got you the alcohol? Oh, I'd steal it from my mom. Oh, okay. Well, see, the trick is you put water in the vodka bottle. Oh. And my mom wasn't a big vodka drinker. So, so she would never notice that it was missing. I mean, you didn't take it all. No. You had to leave enough in there that they would still think it's alcohol. You know, Kevin used to do that. He did. He used mm-hmm. to do that to his parents' liquor yeah. cabinet. He would fill it with li- like liquid, like iced tea in the rum bottle. And well, then, well everybody, they figured that out. Everybody drank back then, so yeah. there was plenty of liquor to go around. And you went to Newport... Part, well, I went to four different high schools. <laughs> but one of them... I was a bit of a rebel. Well, no, well yeah. you were excited about life. <laughs> Don't be negative. But you went to Newport Harbor High School, right? Yes. Which is notorious even to this day for its drug and alcohol activity in one of the richest places in Orange County mm-hmm. you can probably find some of the most high and drunk teenagers well, in all of Orange County they're spoiled rotten rich brats um, basically when I went there there was something called the student center and there was a couch outside and we smoked cigarettes out there and nobody stopped us and there were a bunch of picnic tables and at each picnic table on one day of the week you could buy anything you could buy coke you could buy <clears throat> um, weed you could buy uppers you could buy downers and the the narc came on Thursdays <laughs> so they didn't put it out on Thursdays but just about any other time nice. of the week they would have this stuff just laid out on these tables and you just went and bought it so 12 years old you started mm-hmm. drinking and then you i mean tell me about your family tell me i mean i know <laughs> i am your family <laughs> but tell me about your mom your dad your sisters your brothers tell me well my mom is um it's a very incredible woman and she started back to um, college when i was about 11 so um it was not like she wasn't there, but we were on our own a lot, making our dinners and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and my dad left when I was 11. Mm-hmm. And just, so at the same time that your mom's going back to school, your dad left. Yeah. Okay. And uh, 
he decided that we were better off without him. So there were no phone calls, no cards, no letters, no child support. Just up and gone. Yeah. He, he was living in Newport, and we used to kind of trick him by calling a person-to-person call. You don't really do oh, yeah. that anymore now. Uh-huh. But to try to get him on the phone. Uh-huh. And we sent him birthday cards and Easter cards. And, and he, years later, when I got back in touch with him, he had a box of these cards unopened. He had kept, No, he never opened them? Never opened them. Why? I don't know, but he took the box out and we opened them together. So that, that was, was kind a of big, difficult mm-hmm. day. Yeah. So, <clears throat> wow. All four of you? There's four no. siblings, by the way. It's only my brother and I, Darren. Oh, okay. My younger brother. Um, he's two years younger than me. We were the ones that probably were most impacted by him leaving like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and when you go to AA, you hear a lot of the same story. Almost everyone starts drinking at 12. Yep. Has <laughs> some kind of family tragedy or um, abandonment issues mm-hmm. and so it's it, pretty common that that you hear your own story yeah so well i'd like to actually introduce the statistic of the day because it has to do with what you just talked about um there are a lot of statistics when it comes to alcohol and children of alcoholics or addicts um i would like for both of you to think about this and for the listener to guess how many Americans in 2017 were suffering from a substance use disorder? And they start this, the reason I'm using this statistic is because they start adults at age 12, because that is actually the most common age for people to begin their substance use disorder. So the National Survey on Drug Use and Health says that there is a specific number, it's in the millions, of American adults aged 12 or over that battled substance abuse in 2017. And I'd like you to guess that number right now. Um, well, there's like 300 million people in America. So yes, that's a good, that's a good that's number. Bar. That's your bar. Well, I was thinking of more of percentage. So like 3%. It's a number. You have to give me a number. Um, I still think it's more than 3% though. I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to guess... A hundred million people. I think it's a third of our country. Okay. Oh, you know, I thought about it, but it's probably, I'm going to say a quarter of, of the country. Yeah. So that would be Whatever, like quarter. 15 million? Yeah, it's massive. No. 75 million? 75 million. Yeah. A little bit less than 100 million. I don't do Let's math. go with 75. I don't do math either. <laughs> Are you comfortable with 75 million? Yes. And Just go with $1. You're and you're going to beat going... me for a new price of <laughs> $1. <rice>. Yeah. <laughs> $1, Alex. Um, oh, wait. What's his name? It's Dr. Drew Carey now. Drew Carey, that's right. So you have $100 million and you're doing $75 million. Okay, yeah. we will reveal that stat at the end of the show. But oh. it's interesting to me that they say that the adult substance use disorders start at 12. When you think of an adult, obviously in America it's 18. That's when we decide somebody's old enough to do all the things, which is funny because your brain doesn't fully develop until you're right. 23. So you're, you're, really, you're really still a kid for quite some time. And at the age of 12, introducing things like alcohol and cocaine and even nicotine and THC, you're changing the way your brain forms. You're changing the structures and uh, the receptors and how you respond to everything in your life and everything around you. And you're actually numbing parts of your brain that you'll never be able to feel again. Well, they also say that when you start drinking, your maturity stops. 
So yeah. that when, so say you stop drinking until you're 23, you're still 12, mm-hmm. you know, so in some respects, yeah. because you haven't done some of the grown, growing up that you need to do. Right. And the actual immersion in like society that a 12 year old would have, because you either went too far into what an adult experiences, or you just stopped the growth process as far as maturity is concerned and increased, you know, riskiness and exposure to things and behaviors and all that other stuff okay so 12 year old you start drinking and then you're in you go to four different high schools Mm -hmm. well okay most of the people that share at AA meetings a lot of them I've also been molested okay and And that's huge my brother's baseball coach went Darren yeah his Mm -hmm. baseball coach nothing you know there was no penetration or anything like that but enough that it affected you know how I felt about sex exactly so um uh, so that was something that, you know, um, at the age of 12. Okay. So you're 11, your dad leaves, your mom goes back to college, you're 12, you get molested by the coach of your family, brother, friend. a family friend. Okay. So yeah. we can see how this, and especially at that age, like at a preteen age, that mm-hmm. is such a vulnerable age. And it's funny that you said that your dad leaving made more of an impact on you and Darren who is my dad, by the way, because um, he was nine. Jamie was 13. Mm-hmm. Linda was five. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting that you say that because parents, uh, children of uh, parents of divorce, it affects them at different ages in their life. So exactly. the older you are, the less it affects you mentally. And when you're in a certain age range, it actually can destruct your life for it can affect you as an entirely different person growing up in the exact same household. Mm-hmm. With the same parents and the same mom and the same experience and the same holidays and the same friends, it changes that person differently simply because of where their brain is at in development. So you just drew the short straw because you happened to be 11 when all of this shit happened. Right. And that's like literally the worst age to be. The age where you start to think about boys. Exactly. And, you know, my dad leaving was like, well, men. So men are always going to leave. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Continue. Um, So I ran away when I was 15 and uh, hitchhiked across the United States with a very abusive man. We did drugs. And How old was he? Um, he was 22. Where'd you meet him? Um, he lived around the corner from my mom. Hmm. We hung up with his brother. And uh, yeah. But How far did you make it? <clears throat> oh, I went all the way to South Carolina. Oh, literally across the United yes. Like the whole United States. Yeah. Wow. We did it in semis and some cars. We, you know, hooked up with a guy that painted houses and got made some money that way. I had a friend in Nashville who was a hooker. So she would go do, turn a john so that we could go have steak dinner. Wow. <laughs> that was a pretty interesting story. But I ended up having a, a appendicitis, a chronic appendicitis. So um, I didn't know that that's what it was, but I was really sick. And so I called a runaway hotline. And my dad sent a plane ticket for me to come home. Your dad? Yeah, they got a hold of my dad. My mom didn't want anything to do with me because I, she had written me off as dead. Wow. Yeah, which I don't blame her because I broke her freaking heart. So you ran away. You hadn't talked to your dad. You call a runaway hotline because you're di- you're die. I mean, yeah. if you have appendicitis in it, yeah, I mean you're gonna die. Your dad saves you from mm-hmm. this runaway situation and helps you come back home to California. And also helps me get all the charges dropped because I uh, took my mom's credit card. Oh. 
Oh. Yeah, the May Company credit card, too. Yeah. Um, so there was some forgery and theft charges. Did you know that forgery, I meet with people all the time who say that they went to prison for fraud, for forgery and fraud. I had no mm-hmm. idea that that was such a huge charge, that it was like as bad as like petty theft or like Robert. Yeah. Like they, they send you to prison for yeah. forgery. Well, my father, a quick story, he, when I went to court, um, my father went with me and he asked to speak to the judge and he said, I went, I was hoping you, you give my daughter a second chance. I haven't been part of her life and I'm going to be a part of her life. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we can start with a clean sit- slate because mm-hmm. I haven't, you know, been there for her. And the judge said, you know, that's, that's how it was with me. What? I abandoned my children for a long time and then got back together with them. So yeah, you can, I'm mis- dismissing all the charges. What are the freaking wow. chances of that? Odds. Yeah. Wow. So I don't have any criminal record at all. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So then did you ever see that guy again? Um, well, I got a restraining order against him. So he did try to see me, but he ended up getting another girlfriend and because they were still in my neighborhood. And that girlfriend wanted to kill me because he kept saying my name during sex. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh my but, God. but she got pregnant and they ah. all kind of disappeared from everybody. And it was, yeah. Were you sad? That he wasn't with me anymore? Mm-hmm. No, because he was abusive. Okay. So he so was, you recognized that it was not a good Oh, not at the time. Oh, I thought that, okay. I thought that's the way guys treated women. Yeah. I didn't Was have, that your first boyfriend? No, it was my third boyfriend. And you were 15? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I had sex at 15 because I was afraid I was going to get hit by a bus and I'd never know what it was like. Okay. That's interesting because I was very religious growing up and I used my in church. They always used to tell you the end is near, like the end times are here and the rapture. They are right now. (laughs) These are the end times. Where are the fucking locusts, by the way? Um, They had them. Shut the fuck up. And the murder hornets. I think that is locusts, too. They had locusts in the Middle Middle East East, recently. See the cannibal rats in, in New York? June's fighter has entered the What do you mean, ring. Yankee fans? Oh! <laughs> Let's go, Angels. Um, <clears throat> my bad. So, growing up in a religious household, we always were told the rapture is coming, Jesus is going to come and take us to heaven, and also sex is bad. So, I used to pray every night for the same thing. Dear God, please take care of my family. Please keep us safe. Please let me have sex before I die. That's all I wanted Mm -hmm. was to keep my family safe and to have sex before I die, because I honestly thought that I was going to die a virgin because the rapture was coming and I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. There it is. There it is. Come on. So you had come back home. You got all these Mm -hmm. charges dropped. Mm -hmm. And then what? Well, then I went to four different high schools. So, I mean, having to. And I never did really Why? remake yourself. Oh, well, the first high school didn't want me back because I had been in juvenile hall. Oh, okay. And then when my dad came back, then I went to live with him. Okay. So um, he lived, I lived in El Toro with him. So okay. I went to El Toro High School. And then I lived in Costa Mesa, which is when I went to Newport Harbor High School. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up in, uh, here in Garden Grove at Bolsa Grande High School, which is where I graduated. Didn't Linda go there too? Yes. Okay. Yes. Linda's my aunt. And Aaron? Did Dan, no, he didn't. He went to no. Garden Grove High School. Darren? No, didn't Darren he? went to Bolsa Grande. Yeah, he they did. All, they yeah. all went to Bolsa. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. Did Jamie too? Uh, no, Jamie graduated from Savannah. Oh, okay. Uh, the first I used to school speak that at I was Savannah. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. And Bolsa Grande. I used action. to go to a uh, marching band competition every year oh, at Savannah. At Savannah? That was the hardest stadium to ever play. because you Why? The, the, the judges were all the way up. and you. Had to oh, play. my God. Wait, producer, what instrument did you play? A oh, trumpet. Mm-hmm. Can, was, you, can you still I, play? I could probably bust it out. Probably. It, it, I'm not definitely not as good. You got to keep your lip up. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> But that's what it is. You gotta. Would the beard get in the way? No, no, no. I don't think so. Do you play an instrument? No, just my voice. That is an instrument. She has a lovely voice. She really does. Oh, thank you. She inspired me to start singing, and when I sing, sometimes people tell me I sound like her. You, I, I'm telling you, it's not the whole thing, but just shades. Every like, un- like certain notes, and like, because you both kind of have that raspy mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. She gets it from smoking. You just have it. <laughs> I quit smoking. By Thank God. Hell yeah, she did. But, quit. You know, yeah. So proud of <laughs> you. All that party. Hey, here's another unofficial sponsor. Chantix. Oh, yeah. To quit smoking. My husband did it and convinced Carrie to do it. And Carrie did it. And they both have been cigarette free. And it was mm-hmm. like the weirdest thing because these two people smoked packs a day. Oh, and, and I was never going to quit. For you, no. Why would you ever quit? Chantix yeah, no, won't work. No, Chantix isn't going to work. Both of them started Chantix, and within a month of taking it, both of them quit and were mm-hmm. like, no, I'm actually okay. Like, I really yeah. am fine. I mean, I have a craving every now yeah. and then. And you can smell it sometimes. Well, it's boredom. No, no. You know, when I go to the bathroom, I used to smoke. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I don't know when I went on the computer, I would smoke. So it's certain situation. Oh, in the car. car. See the lucky dinner. The nice thing is that Kevin never smoked in the car because I was in the car, so he never had to worry about that. But his thing was he smoked right when he woke up. He smoked like three cigarettes back to back. Oh yeah, and he had to figure out what he was going to do with all this time. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what to mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to sleep an extra 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, sleep. <laughs> sleep. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> of course you should sleep. Anyway, I keep All the inter- money. Oh, oh my God. That's, that's smell. 15 yeah. to $1,700 a uh, more than that, actually. No, it's like $300 a month a or month, something yeah. ridiculous like that. Because he would buy cartons. Yeah, it would be the cartons were $80 and I would go through three cartons in a month. So wow. would Kevin. Same amount. Yeah. Yep. Almost a so carton a week, but is. not quite. The math again. I don't. Do I math. don't do math. What's eighty times three? Two hundred and forty. Yes, yeah. actually. What's two hundred and forty times twelve? What are you looking at me? Because you're the she's producer. The that, she's the one that answered. Because you're going to look that up. All right, continue <laughs> well, with what your. What was it? Two thirty times two forty times twelve. So, um, yeah, where were we? Um, two thousand, three thousand dollars, almost three thousand dollars. Add in the lighters. Oh <laughs> my god! The breath mints. The breath mints. Yes. <laughs> three thousand dollars. Yeah. For, for breeze for the car. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Terrible. Okay. okay. Sorry. So, so you went to three. You graduated. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, because that's not what happens a lot of times no. when people go down that path. But you graduated. Mm-hmm. I was pretty sexually active in high school. Not. I wouldn't say slutty. Sure. I mean, I had pretty general boyfriends for, yeah. you know, for certain per, per points in time. Yeah. Um, there, there were no one night stands or anything like okay. that. And the gentleman that I married, actually, I knew in high school. Okay. We didn't get married for many years later, but I knew him from high school. So I, right out of high school, I had him as a boyfriend. Okay. So, it, you know, anyway, because there's a more about him later. My dad. <laughs> Robert's dad. And you lived down the street from him, too. Yes, he did. And he, he was friends with my dad, your brother. And, and his parents were awesome. They were like they really from were. the 60s. Shout out to they got They got away with everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Party house. So you, in high school, you kind of went away from doing drugs or you were still? Oh, no, I was still doing drugs. Mostly pot. Mostly oh, okay. Pot. Okay. Drinking? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And the Coke started about 12th grade. Well, that's kind of when Coke started in America. So, <laughs> yeah. I lived through that whole yeah, thing. It's exciting. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I told someone the other day who wanted me to use a nasal spray for allergies. I was like, I can't put anything in my nose. And they said, good thing you weren't around in the 80s. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, probably. Corolla always says the best time in human history was mid-Coke pre-AIDS. Yeah. Yes. And that was me. That was exactly when was I was. the best time. How was that time? It, I don't remember. Damn. <laughs> Which means it was probably pretty good. <laughs> Amazing. People fill me in on stuff. Great. Right now and they'll go, well, you remember when you did? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> what do you mean I what? did such and such? Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. I wish I remembered that. So, yeah. So, okay. You get out of high I, school. Mm-hmm. Um, I start singing. Okay. So I'm in a Professionally. band. Professionally. Yes. Um, I'm working actually for my father-in-law at the time. It is housing, building, general contractor, business office, whatever. And um, I start singing in a country western band. <laughs> what? Well, my mom, they were two doctors in this band, and my mom knew them from, from her work. And she made, she told them, you know, my daughter sings, have her try out. So she got, I got all this information, but I couldn't call and cancel. Oh, no. So it was like I had to show up. Oh, God. So it was back when I sing with my cl- eyes closed and, Aww. you know, just stood there. Um, but that was about a year that I sang with them. So that kind of opened that up. And then I was in a top 40 band called Nasty Habit. Yeah, you were. And that lasted about three years. Okay. Two years. Yeah. But I mean, that was when. And you were married at the time. No. No, oh. I hadn't gotten married to Rob yet. We dated for a long time before we got married. Really? Mm-hmm. But he was, I wasn't always, he wasn't always my boyfriend. There were times where we were broken up. Okay. I was just going to say, were you sleeping with other people at the same time? No. No. Never. Really? Never. No. He did, but. <laughs> no. Okay. Like Ross and Rachel. Yeah, they were on a break. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, he he always was back. No matter what, he was always back. I had um, pretty serious relationships. Okay, so this is interesting. So you were on and off with, with Rob, and you weren't seeing anyone else when he was off? No, it, well, we, we would break up. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I would go date people, and oh, okay. he would go date people. Okay. And then somehow everything worked out that he would be back. Okay. So he was just... Still um, drinking at this time? Massively. Okay. Massively, yeah. It's, um, was it affecting you in any way, or was it just kind of like, no. this is what's going on? Well, I was making money as a singer. Right. In so, bars. In bars. So, I, with Coke. With Coke in the 80s, <laughs> yeah. people. So this is 82. I didn't pay for drinks. I didn't pay for Coke. It was pretty much just a... Madhouse. Where did um, you live at the time? My mom. My mom. At the, in, oh, just down the street here. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so they they were pretty good about me coming home at you know three. Do you know what house it is? The house that they're in now. No. Oh, the Green Acre house. No. The oh. house, a house on Pleasant Place, right? Here. It's oh that one. Yeah. It's literally like around the oh, corner from, from my pa- dad's house. Yeah. 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 I know that house. Yeah. yeah. That's the house she's talking about. It's like five minutes from where we're sitting. Yeah, yeah the house not, is actually not even walking. Walking, yeah. <laughs> the house is actually famous for its parties. I met a lady that was good, went to school at the same time I did, and she was, "Do you ever go to those parties on Pleasant Avenue?" I'm like, "Yeah, that was my, my house. house. <laughs> those were the best parties." Because ever. my dad, didn't you guys oh, grow God. weed in the backyard? Yeah, but somebody stole it. That's fucking rude. They kept a keg in the doghouse. Oh or something? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys, you and my dad were like. Bros, oh, we were yeah. He and I were very, very close. Party very animals, close. yeah. 
He was the guy with the puka shells and the long hair. <laughs> they were also in like a dance troupe thing for That's a right. minute, right? Yeah, with he was rainbow, was, rainbow suspenders. Me? We had a little dance routine that he and I did. I'm people gonna at stop school, talking to you right now. Yeah. People insane. at school thought I was his girlfriend. No, because we share a locker. It's Monica and Ross on the New Year's Eve episode. <laughs> I mean, we were that close. <gasps> wow, mm-hmm. and so. it's funny. Not haha funny, ironic funny that you are both the alcoholics in the family. <laughs> yes. Oh um, my god. But he he has another. He's a. Oh, I don't know if I want to say, but he went through Sex Addicts Anonymous. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. Because I think that there is actually a statistic that I'm going to pull out right now about pull out. No pun intended. Mm. Um, about comorbid disorders so individuals in the united states who suffer from substance abuse disorder almost never just suffer from substance use disorder there's almost always a secondary abuse of some kind whether it be pornography or sex or cigarettes or um, an addiction to video narcotics, games or yeah. narcotics or a mental health disorder that's right. underlying that's depression. What we call dual diagnose. Exactly. So in 2017, 8.5 million American adults suffered from both a mental health disorder and a substance use disorder mm-hmm. or a co occurring addiction. Mm-hmm. 8.5 million people in America suffered from comorbid disorders, being like mental health or. or Excessive substance use disorder. Because yeah, so. AA, you're not really supposed to discuss anything but alcohol. That's and NA, you're only supposed to discuss um, uh, at, um, drugs. Do you but, think that that's kind of upsetting, though? Like that well, you can't talk about it? I don't. I talk about it. Oh. I, I mentioned you're that. You're such I'm, a rebel. <laughs> I mentioned because I'm on, you know, psych meds. And tell us what what is yours? What's your. I'm com- bipolar, too. Okay. So what does that, that mean? That means that I have ups and I have downs, mostly downs. Okay. Um, it's not that it, it's something that I've been having since I was about 15 years old, uh-huh. but nobody knew what it was back then. Right. So I was very manic depressive. Mm-hmm. And in fact, manic has sex. Yeah. It's Risky a, behaviors, oh, impulsivity, yeah. mm-hmm. grandiose thoughts. I'm hot, hot. I'm sexy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I never thought I was hot or sexy, but really? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I just thought, because nobody ever hit on me, or didn't very often, and I thought it was because I was ugly, but it was because people were intimidated by the singer. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, it was like, okay, well, then I get to choose. <laughs> you and you. Come here, you. Both of them. <laughs> no, just the one. <laughs> Lame. So, yeah, no, I'm not going to scare Robert with any... How? That was the, that was the drummer, right? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> I was just a guest. It was, yeah. He was so handsome. I don't, I don't think my mom would go as low as a bass player, but uh, come on, never a bass player, never yeah. a bass player. Jerry so, claps out. Yeah, I was a bass player. <laughs> when were you diagnosed with bipolar disorder? I wasn't diagnosed until I was about twenty three or twenty four. And when was the first time you were got sober? I got sober in nineteen eighty seven, November second. Um, I was. I know someone who was born in 1987. I was 27 and Robert was six months old. So you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder before you became sober. Right. Okay. So you had, you understood your mental health and you also understood that there was addiction as well. Yeah. It, it really, they they talk about crossing a line because I'd always drank, but you know, like with with Robert's grandparents, it was just, that's what you did at 530 every day. You had a martini. So um, it didn't, I didn't really cross that 
pivotal line where I couldn't not have it mm-hmm. until after Robert was born. Mm-hmm. That's your fault. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> Good job. But it got to where I, I couldn't not stop. I was working at Marie Callender's and going to school at Cypress College. And I would wasn't able to drive by the liquor store without stopping and getting a bottle every day. And I would go home and I would drink that bottle. And the next day I'd go to work, go to school, and then I'd come home and drink that bottle. And I was watching, I don't know if you guys know Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. Well, I was watching a Cagney and Lacey. And Lacey is an alcoholic. And she, in real life. Oh, talks about it and and goes and talks to places and stuff. And she was actually playing an alcoholic in the in the show. And I just related to her. Yeah. And thought, you know, you heard your story. Yeah. I this, you know, I can fix this. So I called my mom, actually, and said, Mom, (laughs) I feel like I'm in a hole and I can't get out and I can't be a mom. Oh. And drink like this. It's you know, it's not fun. First of all, changing a diaper when you're hung the, morning. the fuck over. Yeah. No. So and it, you know, I looked at him one day. Actually, I looked at him one day in the car, and I pulled over. and I started crying, and I said, because he had a little thing on his face. I said, I'm in charge of a human. I don't know if I can do this. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> it was so overwhelming. But you were in charge of a human before that. You were in charge of yourself. I was in charge of Rob too, because. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but that's the crazy thing about mental health and addiction is that it makes you feel subhuman and it makes mm-hmm. you feel like you don't matter. And it's funny to me when someone says, well, I'm finally in charge of a human because I'm a mom. And I think to myself, no, motherfucker, you've been in charge of a human your whole life. That's but I did you. a pretty shitty job of it, too. But you didn't even know that was your job, right? Mm-hmm. You thought it was someone else's job. And then mm-hmm. those people kind of sucked at it. And yeah. then you you didn't really take very great care of yourself because you didn't really know how. No, not just like my my experiences with men. I didn't know how a ex- relationship was supposed to go. Right. Yeah. So there's not a lot of experience that you had with men that was mm. that was positive no. when you were in your addiction. And And it was, I would have control. I'm the one that would make the first move. Yeah. So that, you know, I, I felt like I was in control of the situation because you're going to leave anyway. E- oh. So, so I may, I as, may well. as well be the first one to talk and the first one to leave. Right. Because you're going to go anyway. Do you think your drinking had anything to do with you and Rob getting divorced? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, I think it was more because I quit drinking. Oh, God. <laughs> I got okay. sober and I kind of saw the relationship that I was in and mm-hmm. the relationship got worse and worse and worse after we got married. In fact, I told you that you there's a sex topic that you should talk about mm-hmm. is the day we got married, the sex stopped. Which is just... I mean, we have Robert, so obviously there was a little Robert. bit of sex. I'm kind of glad it stopped. It's an immaculate <laughs> conception over here. But it was... It's, we didn't even... We went to Hawaii on our honeymoon and never had sex. Wow. I mean, it was just... I, I swore it was like seven times in two years. That's, one of which I got pregnant. <laughs> thank thank you. God. I know. Woo. And so it was thank just. Thank the maker. <laughs> and he would, he would leave for days, you know, go hang out with Marvin or Brad or somebody like that and not come home. So it was just a really bad situation. So you just thought I got married and got left and that's normal. No, I didn't think this was normal. This oh, good. Was, yeah. No, this was a little bit. This was, I was sober. I got <sighs> sober pretty, you know, when Robert was six months old. And I just couldn't live with him being such a, an alcoholic and an idiot. And he was abusive. He was an alcoholic too? Oh, yeah. Poor Robert gets it from both sides. Is, does he still drink? 
Yeah, but it's not it's not bad. He it's not like a daily thing for him. Oh, that's good. He doesn't smoke daily like as much either. Yeah. You were you were, oh. you, were you were the worst. Oh my god, he <laughs> smoked pot though. Like he was Oh yeah. Oh, he still does that. Just crazy. Yeah. Um Let's hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> I doubt he will listen <laughs> Sorry, to Dad. my podcast. <laughs> Should I keep going with the bad things? No. I, I like it. I actually wrote a song for Rob. It was called TV Blues. <laughs> oh my god, I love that and song. One of the verses. One of my favorite songs. <laughs> that is one of my favorite. One of the songs. verses said, "I put on my best lingerie, mm-hmm. stocking garter, stocking garters. I went all the way." And you, all you said was, and then it shout, get out of the way, <laughs> because that's a true story. Yeah. I was standing in front of the TV in garters and, you know, lingerie. Sexy as hell. Mm-hmm. The angels were on, mom. God, playoffs. Jeez. ILCS. <laughs> playoffs, man. Jeez, game two. Come yeah. on. Come on. The lingerie is not cheap. <laughs> um, Neither are you. That's true. Um, so, anyway, so I, I, because I got sober, I, I knew I couldn't put up with his crap anymore. Okay. And we went to a marriage counselor. And he decided he didn't want to go anymore. Okay. So I decided that was him the way he was going to say, yes, I want a divorce. Because he would never do that. He never would admit there's a problem or anything. So I kicked him out. Okay. So then I have a question because mm-hmm. I researched some things about AA and sex, obviously, <laughs> before this. And there's quite a few people who say that once they become sober, they have what's called a sexual awakening. Absolutely. This person says those who have abused depressant drugs like alcohol, opiates and benzos usually find that their sexuality wakes up in detox. Um, There was a heroin user who said that. um, And I quote, we feel like we are 16 years old and we are not actually 16. Mm -hmm. That means we need to learn how to take care of ourselves, which could include looking for a psychiatrist or a therapist, including a sex therapist to help us if we don't understand the changes in our sexual response. So there is a change in the sexual response of individuals. Well, see, I spent, you know, two, well, 10 years with Rob, um, and just thinking I wasn't worth anything and not feeling, you know, especially when we were married, he wouldn't touch me. So I thought that I was ugly. I felt like I was. That's really fucked up. But after something really wonderful happened after he left, a friend of mine was dating a Marine. And so she always said, well, come and help. Come and, you know, double date with me because that's what he wants to do. And this Greek God looking guy. <laughs> George Stephanopoulos? Oh, my God. Butch? <laughs> no, no. This this was the, the army man. You, I didn't really get him around you much. You were already born. Okay. And, uh, but he was like divorce therapy. Oh. I mean, he made me feel like a woman. Wow. He made me feel pretty. He made me feel wanted. And nice. I knew it was just a temporary thing because he was going to sure, go overseas. Yeah. It was just, you know, we were just having fun. It was just, just something to kind of help you. Yeah, we were just having fun. But I got to feel... What I didn't feel, because I'd been having sex most of the time in my life, a drunk. Exactly. Since you were 12. Mm -hmm. And so when you first had sex when you were 15, and then all the men after that, this was the first time you had had sex sober. Sober. And I was terrified. I bet. But, oh my God, he was like my divorce therapy. Was it better? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was better. I think part of it was because there was no strings attached. Sure. You know, there was no, we didn't go out to dinner Not necessarily like the relationship part, but was the sex better when you were sober? Well, I've never really had a problem with sex. None of us have. (laughs) I just Thank you, Jemison Jeans. I I don't think I was that present. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, Like, to be able to experience all the nerve endings and all the emotions Mm -hmm. and all the feelings and all the... 
grasps of air and and hair pulls and looks in your <laughs> eye and kisses on your neck like yes. when you're high or you're drunk those things really sort of go by the well, wayside blurred. yeah and you don't remember them afterwards mm-hmm. because you're drunk mm-hmm. okay so that's good so sex was better so okay. yeah um i learned that very very thank god for um his name was steve and you know i don't know what i would have done did you stay relationship free for a year after you got sober it was about a year, yeah. Did so, you? Yeah. So do you believe in the one-year rule? I do believe in the one-year rule because I think that, again, it's you're so screwed up when it comes to relationships that it is easy. There's something called uh, the love addiction. And yes. That's, that's that They're addicted to being in love, and that can take over addicted. when the alcohol stops. That can take over, and you want to be in a relationship. Could it be addicted to feeling something? Mm, I think it's more the need to be with someone that oh, you don't okay. want to be by yourself. Oh, uh, it's also there's something in AA called thirteen stepping, which is that you go after the newcomer. Mm-hmm. I read about this. Yeah, these no, it says that like these AA meetings are sexual predators. There are dream boats. Like they go to these meetings, and there is actually a rule. In certain AA meetings that you, quote unquote, don't go after the newbies oh, yeah. or else you're kicked out of the meetings. I read about this. I got a guy kicked out of the Ilano Club. He was bugging me and he went in for a kiss and um, Kathy's husband mm-hmm. was the, wow. the runner. He ran, Dave. Yeah, he ran the Ilano Club and he came in and goes, what the fuck? Leave her alone. <laughs> you don't fuck with Dave. <laughs> yeah, no. He goes, leave her alone. And they ended up um, 86 in him from the club. Good. He, Good. I was the only one that he'd done that to. I mean, you I weren't I, the only one. Yeah. And then also like your sponsors are never supposed to be the same or the yeah. opposite sex. It's always yeah. the same sex. That's, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Why is that? Um, same thing. You relate better. Yeah. Okay. Because you get very, very um, personal. Personal. Yeah. So what if you are an LGBT in recovery? That's, yeah, holds another level to the whole thing. Because, yeah. you know, if you're if you're a man as a woman, do you have a woman sponsor? Yeah, I think you have a woman sponsor. You would have to have women. somebody who is a sponsor who is not the gender of your preference to be sexual with. Is that what you would say? Yeah. So if you're a lesbian and you prefer women, you should have a male sponsor. Mm, I don't, well, no. Maybe, no, I think maybe a straight woman would be okay. Don't go for yeah. a, a gay woman. Like, you don't want to... Okay. The whole thing is you don't want to right. you don't want to have the idea or the yeah the idea of being attracted the sexual tension because well, you're gonna be in rooms together by yourselves having dinner you get, you like, get so phone close calls. to your sponsor yeah. she knows everything I mean she knows more about me than anybody um, because working really? a, working a fourth step you you dump it all okay so tell me about the fourth step okay um, basically it's an inventory of your life so you start out there's several parts of it um one of them is a fear one of his resentments um i can't remember the other one and then there's a sexual and inventory so you go my producer's gonna look up the other one for you (laughs) thank you it's probably in here um but basically you go through and and look at the parts of your life and something say say my when i got molested that would be one of the um items in my list okay and i would look at you know how it affected me Uh um how I was, what was my part in it? Now there's no part for me in it, but other things I did have a part in. But um, okay. so it, you know, basically, did you have a part in it? And then you know, how can you avoid having basically having it happen again? Yeah. So you take responsibility for a lot of things in your life. So too. when people create a sexual inventory in their fourth step, 
it's more than just sex. They're creating an inventory right. of anything that's happened to them that's been significant. Tell me. <clears throat> While writing your out, out your inventory, you will get to examine all your tendencies toward Fears. fear, pride, resentment, resentment slash anger, self will and self pity, guilt slash shame, re- relationships, sex slash abuse, secrets and assets. Right. So you make lists after lists after lists. Of- what if you leave something out? Oh, you can do the four step um, every and whenever you want. So you have been. You were sober for for twenty two years. Two years, but I wasn't working the program. Okay, and then you relapsed. Yes, a lot of um, a lot of things happened all at once. I uh, several people died, um, and, and I wasn't used to that kind of loss. So, and then my son moved out, and because he was out done with high school, so I figured, I'm done. I raised a great kid. I can probably drink now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right to vodka in the liquor in the water, in the water bottle. bottle. Yeah, yeah. So, did you have to do the fourth step a second time? I didn't do it the first time. I didn't work. I went to a few meetings, figured out not to drink out of a wine glass, not to drink Nyquil unless you really need it. So, I, I but I wait, knew you didn't were... work the twelve steps the first time. No. So I was basically a dry drunk for twenty-two years, mm-hmm. but I was a workaholic too. So you switched your addiction from to, alcohol to work. And, and my son. And your son. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really work steps on how to not be I didn't an addict to anything. No. I didn't really change my life. I just got sober. So you've but only done good. You've done the fourth step one time. Oh, no. I've done it three times. <laughs> oh. Well, I've been sober this time five years. Yeah, you have. So um, May 10th. <laughs> Happy birthday. Um, which took me 10 years to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's okay. a story in itself um but um i work you work it whenever you do want to like i could call oh. my sponsor i showed you that book yeah that i'm working that's the latest round of doing my fourth step we're all that my steps. whole book is no, the fourth step it's all the steps oh right? okay. but you know there's <laughs> you can go online and you can get worksheets and you can get um what is it called? Charlie's shop, Charlie's workshop stuff for, uh, for your, your steps. So there's a lot of different, it's also a, um, depend, there's perspective on it. So different people do it different. My sponsor probably does it different than that sponsor over there. Unless yeah. she would got it from that sure. sponsor. Yeah. So, so the first time you got sober, you got divorced because you realized this guy sucks. I gotta go. I gotta mm-hmm. bounce. And then you met, John. Yeah. I had had a couple of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I dated a guy with a tie because I'd never really dated guys with ties okay. before. A real estate guy. My my type was a tall, blonde, construction kind of guy. <laughs> exactly. I know why you're laughing. <laughs> so I dated a guy, Bruce was his name, and he was, you know, a realtor. So he wore the tie, and but he wasn't very... He um, ended up, he wanted to see other people like the guy that, or the lady that taught him Kung Fu. Oh he was, wanted to know if it was okay if he saw her while well, he saw me and his ex-wife. Oh. So I said no. I would have said no, no. as and well. Some people yeah. can do that and be happy and be polyamorous. Yeah. I am not one of those no. people. And well, we'd been monogamous, you know, for months. And yeah. then all of a sudden he didn't want to be monogamous anymore. So I kicked him to the curb. Um, I dated a millionaire. What? No, oh yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Robert feels chipped. I love John. John's, John's cool. John's not a millionaire. Oh. He does well. No, but he he had some issues. Um, he was from he had served in Vietnam. He was a, quite a bit older than me. Oh, and so he kind of had some triggers and, and okay. He drank PTSD. a lot. Yeah, he drank a lot, and he was 
custom been. How could you do? How could you date someone oh. who drank? No, I get like Marine drank like a fish. Who? The Marine. My, oh, my divorce buddy. My oh, yeah. And then he drank like a fish. Because I know that John didn't drink around you for the first like twenty years that you were married. Yeah, he doesn't really drink. He that doesn't much really anyway. drink at all. But yeah. I remember vividly him never drinking, and yeah. then just recently started drinking. You know, and 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 I I think you know it. People would wonder if it's on on their mouth and you kiss them. You know what I mean? Don't you miss it or something? Yeah. But I don't even I didn't even think about it when I was kissing people like that. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a trigger for me because I I did stay sober. Right. Um so I dated this guy with a tie and the other guy, millionaire, who moved up to San Francisco and built a custom home and um he did take you to Disneyland though. Bought you pretty much. Do you remember that? Wanted. A millionaire took uh, you to Disneyland? Probably, you were probably four. At that time, I remember you when you were four. You were bald. <laughs> no, I, I probably had blonde, big blonde hair. Yeah, at I that did. Time. I mean, but I tried before to you keep, left. I was bald. I tried to keep my dating life away from my son, so that he didn't That's see good. you know people traps traipsing in and traipsing out. Um, so people didn't spend the night at my house. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. I, I thank God I had babysitters coming out the yin yang. Right, because my mom lives around the corner. Yep, and his grandparents lived around the corner. Yep. So and they. <laughs> They couldn't get enough of him. I mean, they had I could to have fight been, each other for it. I could have left him there his whole life, and they wouldn't care. <laughs> um, and my sister. Um, so it, it wasn't a problem getting a babysitter for for him. And yeah. I didn't do it all the time. It was no. just that when I wanted to do something, I, I didn't have to worry about where he was going to be. Okay. And I didn't have to subject him to stuff because I couldn't find a babysitter. Hey, tip of the cap. <laughs> I think that that's actually a really great Thing because another one of my fun statistics says that children of addicted parents are less likely to marry, more likely to cohabitate with a partner, hmm. and more likely to have been divorced than their counterparts. Divorce itself can have a negative effect on children, and children whose parents get divorced due to the addiction are more likely than their two-parent counterparts to use drugs and alcohol or have behavioral and mental health problems down the road. So I feel like the fact that you got sober before Robert was capable of forming a a cohesive thought Mm -hmm. um, and that you kept your dating life away from him and that it was so normal for him to be able to spend time with his dad and his grandparents on both sides. Well, (laughs) she never kept you from him and that's, and that's good. And she let you form your own, you know, ideas about things. And, and, And I think that that's probably what has what has made, and I don't mean to, you know, drag my producer into this, but (laughs) it makes sense to me because I am the daughter of an addict and he got sober when I was 16 years old. I won't ever forget that conversation. And I lived with my now husband for 10 years before we got married. And I used to always think that that was because my mom had, you know, gotten married and divorced a lot and my dad got married and divorced a lot Mm -hmm. and I used to think the reason I didn't get married faster was because I didn't want to be a statistic but reading that today about how children of addicts tend to cohabitate more than anyone else it makes so much sense like you just I just want to make sure you're not going anywhere also Mm -hmm. my husband is a recovering yes, addict. So, and I always forget that um, <laughs> because it's just like, it's so like. He didn't work the program either. He just kind of just. Yeah. He worked a different type of program. He yeah. didn't do AA. He did 
more of like a health focus where he went to the gym and he went to school. He went to AA a couple times mm-hmm. and just couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't do it, and he he you really have to give it a a good try. He was depressed, um, and mm-hmm. th- and felt that the stories that he heard in AA probably just hit too close to home. And it, I don't know, I can't speak for him, but I know that I went to a couple meetings with him, and it just made him mad. And and he did better without it. Yeah. And there are people who totally stay sober without I, it. And he's not just it, a dry drunk. Like I did he's, it for 22 years. Yeah. He touch alcohol. Yeah. He doesn't have any, like he, sometimes he'll get, he'll, he'll see me drinking an old fashioned and be like, Ooh, let me smell that. And he'll I smell it. I do that My all the time. Doesn't. Yeah. And people go, what are you doing? It's he like, just just, smell it. Yeah. Let me just smell it really quick. I'll just want to smell it. Smell and then the wine. Yeah. He beer. does it with wine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He thinks it's interesting. Then he's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, thanks. Like mm-hmm. that's it. But it's interesting that that statistic comes up because I feel like you kept him away from behaviors that could have done damage and that mm-hmm. that probably it didn't even dawn on you that you right. were doing it that way but it probably made a bigger difference than you could probably imagine i mean if i was at a, a party with somebody i was dating then it wasn't a problem for robert to be there right but i didn't he didn't i didn't have them automatic because i saw something recently and the woman had to call daddy after like a month had to, this guy call her her kid daddy and i thought oh. yeah that's really sick um so i tried to keep robert out of that dating thing yeah but he did meet some you met bruce you remember i don't, bruce? I, don't I remember meeting john at the toy story oh. or toy story the toy story yeah i uh after i broke up with bruce i went to a, a halloween party here in garden grove and my friend debbie left me there oh nice and I'm thanks, part, Debbie. I'm flirting with this guy named Kevin. And first of all, nobody can believe that I'm sober the way I'm talking because he is very witty and I was giving it right back to him. And we were talking about uh, erections and masturbation and nice <laughs> menstruation. Solid. And we were just it's I mean, a good conversation. <laughs> we were having fun. And then he introduced me to his wife. Oh, like, Kevin, you're such a dick. Wah, I'm, wah. Work, I'm working on this, you know, this Man. relationship. And so then I never write home. Because Debbie left me. So here this guy in a phantom of the opera. Oh, and I knew there were cops at the party. That's what Kevin was a cop. And this guy with a phantom of the opera mask walks by and goes, I'll give you a ride home. Ugh. And I was like, well, he's a cop, you know? So I stood, stood outside and we talked until two in the morning, John and I did. And John is a medium height Mexican-American. <laughs> He looks like a goddamn Indian. He looks like, <laughs> he looks like a straight up Native American. Yeah. Especially like, when he grew his hair out. Oh my it looks God, so that good. ponytail yeah. was chief, sick. He yeah. looks like a chief. An Indian he does look chief. like an Indian chief. It's ridiculous. So not my type at all. So He I, never ages. You know, I uh, and I didn't sleep with him on the first date. Yay! Hey, <laughs> I, he dropped me off and uh, we kissed and I, I was dressed as a boy scout. <laughs> um, oh my God. <laughs> and I accidentally nice. left my hat in his car. Accidentally, oh, I did, as I do quote, air quotes. But I did make mm. him leave and he got a mm. flat tire on the way home. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god run john run john run, run. Yeah. um so he called me a few times and i was like you know it's not my type why would i you know this is not my type i go fine the ninja turtles are going to be at toys r us and brea you oh. can meet me there oh my god because he was the chino so <laughs> we went to the toys r us and john showed up and he took us out to lunch after it was done and then we were inseparable from that time on was, I knew, 
Was Linda at the toy store? Yes. Toy? Okay, I yeah. remember that too. That was yeah. good. A month after. <laughs> she there making sure you weren't getting Hell yeah. Advantage by a cop. That's, my, that's what <laughs> sisters do. Hell yeah. Within a month, I knew I was going to marry him. Oh. How long did you guys date before you got married? Mm, about 18 months. How long before you realized he wasn't going to leave? Oh, that's an interesting thing because... Um, Last year. I don't think I gave, I don't think I worried about it all the time, but there was one evening where I got home, we ate dinner, and he goes, I need to talk to you. Why would anyone ever, by the way, anyone listening, all, all one that. of you, never say that phrase to anybody? Mm-hmm. My husband yeah. said that to me once, and I literally, my stomach dropped into yeah. my asshole. I thought, he's leaving. That was. That was it. He was gone, you know. So we went in the bedroom because he wanted to talk away from Robert. Oh, my God. And uh, he said, your dad's been in a car accident. Oh. And uh, he broke his neck. I remember that. Yeah, when Jamie, mm-hmm. Papa Jamie broke his neck. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, why did you let me sit down and eat dinner? Why didn't you tell me as soon as I got in the oh. house so I could go to Riverside and be with them? He said, well, I wanted to make sure you had a good meal before you went out there. Mm-hmm. But my first thought was... He's gone. He's leaving. Oh, my God. But I can't he make him go away. loves you so much that he wanted to make sure you ate mm-hmm. before you went to see your dad. And mm-hmm. then you at the same time thought he was leaving you. Mm-hmm. That is. Yeah. No, John's one of a kind. I, I, I joke about him being a jerk all the time because he can be. Because he's your so husband. I, way, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell him how wonderful he is. I mean, No, because that would just give him too big of a head. Right, but so I, I have my little bitch stories about John, but um, he's an amazing man and I'm glad he's a part of my life. So then let me ask you my next question, which is how do you maintain a relationship while you're working the steps? So a lot of people say you have to have a year where you're not with anyone. You were married when you did mm-hmm. it the second time. Mm-hmm. You were married to someone and who thought you were going to stay sober and thought I, that I you print, were fine. I printed out divorce papers. Because you thought he was going to divorce you. No, I was going to divorce him. Why? <laughs> because I was really fucked up. Okay. And you thought you didn't deserve well, him? Or? I, you know, I don't know. I think it was, we had some problems back then where he would like go buy a car. Okay. Come home with a car. Well, that's not a, a marriage to me. You don't. No, you don't just you don't buy, buy a something vehicle. with a comma in it. You know, you discuss that with your wife or your partner. So there were some problems along those lines where I didn't feel like he was paying attention to me. I found out about a credit card that he had a, that went to work. Oh. And so there were just some things that, and 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 I'm screwed up. You know, I'm I'm screwed up. So it's easier just to blame him instead of trying to work on it. Yeah. So I don't know how he stayed. How he's been through all this the last 10 years have been a nightmare no well five years or <laughs> a nightmare but he he saw me through all of it so i i saw something online that i wanted to read to you that i thought was interesting because i worked to maintain my relationship with kevin when he was getting sober but i left for a year mm-hmm. so he got sober because i left and i said if you don't want to get sober you don't have to yeah but i'm not gonna be here if you're not gonna be sober and i'm gonna give you a year because i've heard from you and from my dad and from everyone who's gone through aa that you have to have a year and you can't be in a relationship for that year even if you're already in one that's why i didn't file the papers because you don't get out of a relationship in that year either Oh, you don't make any drastic moves so i fucked it up no 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 (laughs) no it's because it, that gives time for yourself. You work on yourself. Yeah. But don't get divorced either in that year. Don't, so don't start make dating. any drastic changes. Yeah, don't start dating 
someone in that time. And because don't you're get so divorced. fragile. Mm-hmm. It's just too fragile of a, of a mental health. So that's one of the reasons I didn't divorce him, because my sponsor said, nope, you have to wait a year. Oh, my God. And I stuck it out, and he stuck it out. Well, <laughs> thank God. Did you go to counseling? <laughs> oh, we've been off and on. So top five ways addiction affects relationship creates trust issues. Oh, absolutely. What did you have to do to prove your trust to John? He's the most trusting man I ever met. So I, I don't think, I think it wasn't sexual in the trust. It was more lying about the alcohol uh-huh. and about the pills and yeah. hiding them yeah. and, and going and paying, playing poker until two in the morning, not coming home. Um, Pachanga or Hawaiian gardens? Hawaiian gardens. Gross. <laughs> I know. God. I did really well there, though. Did you? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, he, he just stood by me. He never bitched at me about it. He never, you know, he was also, it was kind of enabling because he didn't say anything Codependent. about it. Codependent. Yeah. He mm-hmm. didn't really say anything about it. But I, that's that's the trust was, I was breaking, was ordering the pills online and, and drinking. Yeah. So. The addict will do anything to get drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lie, cheat, steal. Drug or alcohol addiction increases financial problems? Oh, I was just thinking that when you asked the other question, how much I spent, I probably spent $500 a month on pills. Oh, my God. And that's not From Mexico? No, well, I did. I got them from Mexico a few times, but you could buy them on the line. Oh, yeah. On the dark web, right? So I had a mailbox, a post yeah. office box at the UPS store. Oh, the regular web. Really? Yeah. Well, that's where I got mine. It might be kind of hard now, but yeah. during the time that she was doing it, like, what, I'd like got 04, for, 05? Yeah. Fearset.com. That was a little bit easier. Yeah. And you had a P.O. box that you'd get them yes. sent to. I had a P.O. box over at the UPS store, and they would sign for them, and I would just go by and pick them up. Drug and alcohol intensifies communication problems? Well, God. Yeah, I mean, it must. I'm just trying to think of how that applies to me because I'm pretty vocal. I'm, I don't have a problem telling people how I feel. I don't no, I hold think, anything in. I think you might have had a problem telling people the good that you felt. Yeah, I had, I, I was a real sarcastic drunk. And actually, when I was sober for those 22 years, I used sarcasm a lot to not get close to people. Right. So I had very few people that were in my specific group. I uh-huh. mean, very few. Yeah. You know, I still only have my best friend lives in uh, in Kansas. <laughs> so, but but if you're my best friend or you're close to me and my friend, then you're, you, I would bend over backwards for you. But right. I, but I have trouble testing, uh, trusting people outside of that. Lastly, addiction exacerbates intimacy problems. So not to put John on the spot, but did <laughs> was there a point where... Sex just stopped. Did you guys, I mean, not that you have to tell me how many times a week you normally had sex, but like, did well, it change for I, you? I think it changes in a marriage. I, oh I my think, God, yeah. You know what I mean? I think, they think that is a change. I mean, when I was drinking, I was, I, I, you, you fuck me. Yeah, here we yeah. go. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Robert. Robert. <laughs> no, He's going to die. He's going to die. But, you know, I, it made me want sex more. Yeah. So that period of time when I was drinking, I was, you know. Ready to go. Yeah. Um, but I think that in a, in a marriage that slows down, so mm-hmm. I think that that's what's slowed down with us is this just being used to each other every day. I mean, if he walked by and goes, Hey, come on, I would, I'd go, we'd go have sex. And sure. If I could walk by him and said, Hey, let's go. He would go. So yeah. it's not like we're did you each notice, other away. Did you notice any difference when you were drinking or doing pills? Yeah. Um, because I wanted it, so I was probably a little bit more wild. We need to stop talking like this because Robert's right here. That's okay. But that's actually <laughs> really interesting because one of the other statistics that I printed out, um, 
EvidenceTrustedSource.com shows that alcohol makes females more than males horny. Well, I think that it affects men um, in that his erection is probably not as good. So um, it decreases. <laughs> whiskey dick. It, it says whiskey dick right here. <laughs> yep, that's the thing. When it comes to alcohol and sex, moderation is key. Now, women actually get more horny mm-hmm. when they are drunk than men do, which is crazy. Um, one drink may not interfere with blood flow down there. One drink too many can have a psychological, cognitive, and behavioral impact that can cause alcohol-induced orgasmic dysfunction. In men, whiskey dick is a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just whiskey. It's any alcoholic beverage. Yeah. It can affect your ability to get and maintain an erection. It messes with your boner in a few ways, men. It decreases blood flow to the penis. It increases angiotensin, which is a hormone linked to erectile dysfunction and depresses your central nervous system. It can also delay ejaculation, which mm. in some men can be a good thing. Saying, what's wrong with that? I don't think that's a terrible thing. But it, I mean, when that Could is... Did you say that with weed? Would you agree with weed too? Like, weed makes the woman feel her whole body oh God, kind no. of... Because... No. I, no. Oh. no. Well, guys, I, I've heard that it's the, the same with whiskey dick. It, it can be... I don't know. I would have do to some, do some research on that, sir. Get, get back to me. I'm gonna. As a matter of fact, I will. Yeah. I'll do a mini episode on that. There you go. <laughs> Whiskey, I mean, pot dick. Pot, we'll have to think of a much better name for it. But, smoking Richard. Uh, oh, smoking anyway. a pancake. Anyway, so, okay, so that didn't pot affect... Pot cock. <laughs> well, plus... <laughs> thank you, sir. John doesn't really drink, so... Right, so that a, never affected him. It was a one-sided him. thing, and he was he's always been able to so you're perform. The, okay, perfect. So then it didn't affect you in that way. No. Okay. What would you say has changed the most in your relationship since you've been sober these last five years? Um, well, when I met John, he was the first grown-up I ever dated. <laughs> and, and so uh, I would have to say that because I respect him. Um, and, and now I respect him even more if that's possible. Wow. Um, for putting up with me and being there for me. And I'm grateful. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of respect for my husband. Okay. I'm going to go cry for him. Me too. I'm going to go cry really quickly. Okay. Um, That was amazing and super way more informative than I thought it was going to be. And it was interesting because everything I researched, you actually talked about. So it it made me. Oh, there was something I wrote down that I wanted to read to you. Let's throw that way. She has like 12 pages that she looked up. I'm actually super But I haven't needed any of them. I know, because you remembered all of it. There was that one thing I wanted to read. Oh, here it is. Yay. So it was on the floor. (laughs) It's your house. (laughs) Admitted they were having more fun under the covers than they did under the influence. Who's that? It's from one of the websites that I... Wow. Isn't that incredible? One of the things that you realize is that you can have yeah. better sex yeah. sober because you yeah. get to enjoy it more and you yeah. get to, you know, talk to your partner about it. You don't just jump in bed. Oh, my I God. Mean, talk about sex outside the bedroom. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, and it, like you said, it changes because you're married and it changes mm-hmm. with age. And I don't know if it's a if it's a chicken or the egg thing, but mm-hmm. Kevin and I have way better sex when yep. he's since he's been sober. And he was sober 11 years this January. Wow. I know. So cool. He's so cool. He is. He's awesome. He's real cool. But I don't know if it's because when we were both drinking, it was like 
sloppy sex the mm-hmm. whole time and then he got sober and then we had better sex because we could talk about it or we could we weren't hung over we right. had sex at different times of the day well, because I mean, you can tell somebody i mean not that you couldn't tell somebody if you're drunk but you can discuss it much easier when you're sober about what you want yeah what you don't want yeah what, how you like to be touched right you don't like to or be when touched. you're drunk you're like i don't want you to put it yeah, just stop just, no yeah i can't Okay. And then you go, okay. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Never mind. I can't verbalize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh, and, and I think that it's really important for people to understand the amount of alcohol they're consuming, not just people who may have an alcohol problem, mm-hmm. but individuals who go out and drink and incorporate well, we call them binge drinkers right they and when have you alcoholic tendencies exactly but don't drink every day it's so risky because mm-hmm. you can get yourself into situations where you're making choices and decisions that you wouldn't normally make or you're saying yes to things and you don't know what you're saying well, yes to you know i missed that aids window oh, by God. probably a year you know and i was having unprotected sex yeah you know a lot of, of people were cocaine and yeah. yeah nobody was no you know, there's really a lot of it. people who who missed who were in the AIDS window that probably could have been exposed and just didn't even realize yeah. it. Even now, I mean, it's it's something to be aware of. It's not just drugs that can like cause you not to have a clear head when you're going into a sexual relationship. And hey, you want to go out with your girlfriends? You want to go out with your guy friends? Go to a club, get fucked up, hook up with somebody. Well, That's fine. That's hookup culture. Do it, but. Bring condoms, like, but it's, be safe. About it's also it. a wall get back revenge sex. That's another one, you know, where people have sex with somebody else because they're mad at their partner yeah. or they, you know, and, and that's not healthy in sex this, either. In this day and age, the amount of sexually transmitted diseases are so rampant mm-hmm. that it's just not the best idea to be doing. Robert will hate this, but I got herpes with the second person I'd had sex no. with. No. Yep. Did you have to? So, did you tell John when you started dating? Oh yeah, him? no, I was very open about it. That's a conversation. <laughs> I told one guy, and he goes, "Oh, is this? Is that no. what herpes looks like?" And I was like, "Yes, that's what herpes looks like." Oh my god! So, but I, I did a trial run on a drug, the drug that is now, they now use, mm-hmm. Seclavir. Yes, I did a drug test for that. At really? UCI. Yeah. You were in the research for it? Yes, I was. Oh my god! So, um, but so I've always been very honest about it. Do you take it every day? No. I just take it when I feel an outbreak coming on. Okay. So you don't have to do Valtrex where you take it like on the no. daily basis. You do the no. other one. And as I got old, it was, used to be worse when I smoked. Oh, yeah. But yeah, because it that reduces your immune system. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. The second person. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to anyway, do sorry, our... Robert. No, you're okay. You're <laughs> so, Carrie, I have, a, um, I have a quiz that we do okay. here on what's your position. You have to answer 69 questions in 69 seconds. You try to get as many answers as you can. They're all about you, so there are no wrong answers. Okay. You can pass, but you don't get a point. You can say, I don't know, but you don't get a point. <laughs> okay. Carrie, mm-hmm. would you like to 69? I would love to. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to set my timer. (laughs) All right. Here we go. The zombie apocalypse is coming. Who are the three people you want on your team? John, Robert, and my mom. What's your favorite sandwich? Uh, Meatball. Strangest place you've ever had sex? In the butt. No, that's a joke. Oh my god! That's a joke from the Newlyweds show. Oh my god! That is a joke. You're wasting your time. Sorry. What's the strangest place? You can pass. You can pass. A car. A car. What would you? What do you like most about the opposite sex physically? Uh, Their eyes. Android or iPhone? 
I, and right. When was your first French kiss? Uh, seventh grade. Have you ever had a one night stand? Yeah. Have you ever sent nudes? No. Most binge-worthy TV show in your opinion? Um, Breaking Bad. First thing you think of when you wake up? Uh, do I really have to get up? What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my family. Soft or hard? Hard. Sweet or savory? Sweet. What's your favorite song? Um, uh, probably one by Pat Benatar, Promises in the Dark. What's your go-to positive mantra? Um, oh, the serenity prayer. What's one thing everyone should try once? Sex. <laughs> Dogs or cats? Cats. Go-to birthday dessert? Uh, chocolate cake. Favorite season? Fall. Have you ever taken hallucinogens? Yes. Do you like oral sex? Yes. Do you like masturbation? Yes. Have you ever watched porn? Yes. Favorite book? Uh, Pillars of the Earth. Okay. Time up. Yep. <laughs> How many did she get? That was tw- 24. Wow. wow, you kicked Maddie's ass. Really? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to do like a Top Gear kind of a a, a guest like oh, stat. To keep track? To keep track, yeah. So I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As our second guest, you're winning. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right. And so I don't think I, I offended my son too much. No, I? I actually think no. that we did a pretty great job not Living offending anyone. Living with his anyone. family, I'm used to it. That's right? true. Would you like to know the statistic that I gave you at the beginning of the episode? I'm, I'm sticking with my 100 million. Okay. You want to stick with your 75, 75 million? million? The answer is actually 19.7 million Americans in oh, 2017. It's a good, that's yeah. good. I'm glad. Because, I mean, I've heard things in one in 10 or one in three. Yeah. I think that it's probably underreported. I think that there's probably a lot of people who don't realize that they have substance abuse disorder. Or if they do, they're not. They don't. You don't report it to you know wherever they're getting these statistics. Exactly. Not everybody in AA meetings. Substance abuse and sex go hand in hand when it comes to reporting and shame, and it's really unfortunate because a lot of people don't report their STIs. A lot of women Uh don't report that they masturbate. Or rape. Or rape. Right. Or molestation or that they prefer both sexes or that they have tried all drugs anally with an IV. Like people aren't reporting things that they feel they're going to be shamed for. And so a lot of these numbers are underreported. So I feel like your number, 75 million, is probably closer or that they've had a substance use disorder at some point in their life. They may not have it right this minute. Exactly. It may not be. Once you have it, you always have it. You always have some form of of a addiction issue or a mental health issue because of the substance use and probably the reason that you started the substance use needs Mm -hmm. to be addressed and gone to counseling for um but yeah it's 19.7 million any last thing you want to say before we're done anything you want to plug any special person you want to say hi to any i love my husband and uh, i love my mom so i'm sure my mom's going to be listening to this and uh, she's she wonderful. She is wonderful. <laughs> so, but Shout uh, thank you, Nana. Ashley, for having thank me. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks I'm for so letting nervous. us use your house. Now I'm not nervous. Good. Was, I'm so was, glad. It was very easy. It was good. Very good. I'm thank really you. glad. Good. Uh, I just want to make sure everybody remembers to follow What's Your Position podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I have an email. What's your position podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow, make sure you like, make sure you download, make sure you share, and please tell a friend. If you enjoyed what you heard, this is just the beginning. This is the surface of what we're going to talk about. If you have an idea of something that I should talk about, or if you want to come on and talk about something, I am all down for guests. What's your position podcast on Instagram and Facebook? Stay kind. 
Stay safe and stay sexy, everybody. What's Your Position podcast and its social media websites represent the opinions of Ashley Weller and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Stay safe and stay sexy.